Well, I don't rightly know what to do. But I do want to say thank you. I'm just a hillbilly from West Virginia, and I sure don't deserve none of that. And uh, I reckon my first knowledge of this place and this church was through Brother Heath. And Brother Heath, when he come down to school down at North Augusta, I had just graduated and he's just starting out. And he started telling me about this big old man from the North North Carolina. <laughs> and uh, I don't know a whole lot about it. And I can't explain this, but I do know this. I heard Heath preach uh, when he's in Bible college, and I thought, Lord, he ain't going to make it. <laughs> he couldn't preach his way out of a paper sack. And he's from a part of North Carolina where he partly couldn't even read. <laughs> I'm going somewhere with this, Heath. Yeah. <laughs> and Heath said, hey, I'm going to Myrtle, Mississippi for a, a prayer meeting with Brother Daniel. I said, well, good. And my hand to the Lord, he'd come back a different man. I heard him preach, and I thought there's something on him that he didn't have on him last time. And this place, over the years, he's kept telling me, and I've always been a little bit jealous because he's told me all the great things about this church. And then, I'll never forget, I was preaching for Charles Worley in Lincolnton, North Carolina, years ago. And here come that big old preacher. Never said a word to me, never said hello, and he sat on the second or third row, and I was as intimidated as I'd ever been in my life. And he just had his head rolled back and prayed for me the whole time I was preaching. Didn't see him for quite a while, and... <laughs> And the Burlington meeting got to moving and Brother Heath was with us. He had had some time off and uh, I hadn't heard from Brother Daniel in years. And best I can recall this, and if I'm stretching it or if I'm evangelistically speaking, y'all just tell me and I'll change it. But my, my nostalgic version sounds better than yours does. He's talking to Brother Daniel. Brother Daniel's in Mississippi praying. And uh, he said, God keeps putting in my heart Burlington. I'm praying for Burlington. I'm praying for the, what, what's, is there in that, that North Carolina, is there anything going on? And he said, well, Brother Daniel, there's a meeting here in Burlington. It's second or third week. Uh, God's really moving. Brother Daniel came and sat when we was in Brother Randy's church on that second pew and just prayed for us. And there was so much glory in that place. Uh, and God knitted our hearts together. And before I knew it, I told the guys that are with me, I got some guys from the church, I looked around and I, I started thinking about how many lives and how many connections and how many friendships are in this room that wouldn't even be, wouldn't even know each other if it wasn't for those times in our lives. And I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea. There's only one person that deserves any glory around here and that's God. God. Because couldn't nobody orchestrate none of this? I mean, we all act like we all come in here dressed churchy. But the truth is, if we used to put all of our lives on them TVs, wouldn't none of us want to hear nobody preach? But to think that God can take a bunch of nobodies and nothing do something for the glory of God. That's the miracle of all miracles, how God will take a black heart, wash it in red blood, and it'll come out as white as snow. And so best, best I know how. I want to say thank you. I walked in here last night, been fighting hell in my own mind, got in that prayer room, and just like God turned the light bulb on, give me answers to prayers I've been praying for quite a while, got to see some friends, get to be around your preacher around here, and Von Ramsey's one of the dearest friends I got in this whole world, and we had to relay preach for a little bit last night. I ran out of gas, and he took over and did just fine, didn't he? Amen. And it's just a real joy to be saved and to be part of the family of God. 
That brother back here got a rock up on the hill. That for years now, he's been sending me pictures on Sunday mornings where he goes up on a mountain and several of y'all go pray on that mountain. <laughs> and pray for my kids. And I want y'all to know that means the world to me. And I want to say thank you, Brother Daniel. <laughs> Do you hear me? I know you've got friends that probably thought you was crazy when you even looked my way and tried to help me. I want you to know I'm thankful for every prayer you've ever prayed for me. Every demon you ever prayed off of my family's back. Every time hell tried to come at me and use the greater battle under that stage pray for I want you to know I thank God for you and I thank God there's coming a day in heaven when the real rewards are going to be given out and the greater work. <laughs> How many of y'all know God sees all the real prayers are going on and you may be in here and feel like nobody sees what we do and nobody's here to give you a clap in the, on the back or a pat on the back but I'm glad in heaven there's a real record room and all you ladies that know how to pray through and get a hold of God, I'm telling you, I thank God for the people of God. Don't come around me bashing the church and talking about how bad the church is, honey. They fed my family. They took care of my babies. They loved on me when I was unlovable. And when I thought I was about out of this, I'm thankful. It was the people of God that said, keep on going, preacher boy. Preach another sermon. Sing another song. I thank God for the people of God tonight. Bless his good name. So I reckon I just wanted to say thank you. And then I felt like singing my own song. And y'all going to sing it with me. My name is in the book of life. Oh, bless the name of Jesus. I rise above all doubt and strife and read my title clear. I know, I know my name there. Oh, I know my name written there. My name once stood with sinners lost. crossed and placed it on his roll and I know I know my name is there oh I know I shadow or my title stand up and sing it to the Lord now come on now and I know I know my name God's people said. Amen. Remain standing, grab your Bibles, and turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter number 16. Acts chapter number 16. Acts chapter 16. 
verse number 25. Bible says in the book of Acts, chapter number 16, and verse number 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. And saying praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. How many of y'all know somebody ought to hear you praise God? And suddenly there was a great earthquake. So that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened. And everyone's bands were loosed. The keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas, brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? <laughs> and they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. With the help of the Lord, for a few moments tonight, I want to preach on this subject. We need a move of God. We need a move of God. I said we need a move of God. <laughs> Y'all ain't hearing me. I'm not talking about a little emotional service. I'm not talking about someone just tickles our ear and then we leave the same way we came. I'm talking about we need a move of God. Father, help us bless the reading of thy word. Use me, God, I pray. Remove any pride, vain flesh, ourself, anything, God, that would desire anything other than for you to get glory in this room. I pray, great God, electrify us with your presence. May your word fall on good ground tonight. And God, for all you do, we'll be careful to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. For it's in Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen and amen. Uh, when we come to the book of Acts, chapter number 16, Paul and Silas are in prison for nothing more than preaching the word of God and for living the 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 will of God in their life. And if you think it's going to get easier to live God in these days, it is not going to get easier. It's going to get harder to name the name of Christ and to live for God. It's never been completely easy, but I believe in these last days, it's going to get darker and darker and darker. Uh, but Paul and Silas are in prison for preaching the word of God. And as they are put inside this prison cell, Number one, when it concerns a move of God, I want you to realize that the time was right for a move of God. The time was right. Timing is a big deal. Time is not in my hands and time is not in your hands, but time is in the divine and in the sovereign hand of God. And the time was right for a move of God. In this time, in the book of Acts 16, we we see number one around the time. We see the happenings that are here. They're put inside of the prison cell. They're inside this thing. They're chained up at their arms. They're chained up at their legs. And the happenings or the plot of the story or that which is unfolding before our eyes is Paul and Silas are in this jail. It is dark. It is gloomy. It was not a correction facility like we have today. It was a deep, dark, damp dungeon in this day and hour where it was nasty it was disgusting they didn't have the facilities that they have but hear me the happenings that surround this moment is that Paul and Silas 
have no power whatsoever to get out of the situation they're in. Their backs are against the wall. All their resources are gone. They don't have any phone calls that they can make. There's no political figures that are going to bail them out of the situation that they're in. And may I say, when you get to a place where there's nothing you can do in and of yourself, then the time is getting right for a move of God. Not just we see the happenings here, oh, but we see the hour. We see that what they were going through points to a time that's needing a move of God and the, the hour the Bible said, and it, listen to me, I believe everything that God wanted us to know. He put it in the word of God and these three words and at midnight. For some reason, God wanted us to know the time that it was. It was midnight. It was the last hour. It was a transitional moment from one day to the next day. It was a transitional moment. It was dark outside and he was saying there's something about this midnight. There's something about this hour. There's something about this transitional piece that was right for the time that was leading to a move of God. <coughs> Y'all killed, killed me last night. But the time was right. The happenings around them, they have no way out. And the hour was pointing towards the fact that it was the end of the day, the start of a new one. The time was right for a move of God. And all across this country and in the town I pastor, there are people that seemingly and preachers that seemingly all around us, the happenings are pointing to the fact that they, the, 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 the seminary degree that they have is good, but it's not bailing them out of the problem that they're facing. The marriages that I'm preaching to, their backs are against the wall and a new self-help class and a motivational message is not going to rescue them from where they are. They need something higher. I'm talking to parents who got teenagers uh, that are strung out on all kinds of stuff. Pornography's reaching the minds of their kids. Uh, the world's lost its mind. The system is anti-God, anti-Bible, anti-help from heaven. And everything we see is I see it as the people of God have their backs pinned against the wall wondering how are we going to make it. We're watching as there's more doors of churches that are shutting, that are staying open, and we're watching watching as preachers are, 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 are walking away from the ministry that are, that, are, that are quitting their jobs, that are leaving the pulpits. Why? Because the demonic powers of hell have heated up and turned up and we're watching the happenings just as if Paul and Silas were in the midst of this dark hour. We see that the people of God in this day and hour, are you not realizing what's going on in our world? Are you not seeing what's going on in our churches as we walk around, I ain't got to tell y'all this, but every church in America ain't like this church. Y'all got to know that. Every church in America don't have the power of God or the presence of God or the goodness of God. Every church don't have a thing full of people that are looking forward to worship and serving God. But all we see, the happenings here, their back was against the wall. It made me think about Ezra 9 and 8. And now for a little space of grace hath been showed from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a nail in his holy place that our God may lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. Aren't you glad when we're down and out and just about to give up and just about to throw in the towel and we don't know where to look and we don't know where our help come from. The Bible said I will look towards the hills whence cometh my help. Child of God, don't you listen to the news and get depressed out of your mind and think we're going to lose everything we got. I got news for you and I got news for the devil. As long as God's still seated on the throne, the people of God are going to make it to the other side. I'm not contingent. Oh, well, I feel my help now. I'm not contingent on a Republican. I'm not contingent upon a Democrat. I'm not contingent about how much stimulus money goes through the economy. I'm going to be all right because my my father owns a cattle on a 
thousand hills. David said, I've been young and I've been old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. I'm glad, honey, you may feel like your back's against the wall. Your back may be against the wall, but his back is against the throne. And as long as his back is against the throne, the people of God are going to be all right. just the happenings but the hour or oh, the hour was late and may I say that God in his sovereignty has chosen you and I to be here in this hour and for this season there is a there's a thought that comes across our mind that maybe just maybe God should have put John the Baptist in 2022 maybe just maybe God should have let Elijah operate in that anointing in 2022. Oh, but listen to me, honey. God has here exactly who he wants here. I believe with every fiber in me that before we wake up in the morning, we could wake up in heaven. I believe that Jesus is coming back soon. I believe everything that this Bible said was going to happen is happening right before our eyes. I'm not looking for a sign. I'm listening for the shout because the Lord himself is coming back very quickly. But if we are in this hour, Paul and Silas, in this midnight hour or inside this prison cell. They can't get out themselves. They can't work their way out, pay their way out, do anything to get out. But they were in the midnight hour. And in this midnight hour, it was a place and a time where God said, I finally got them where I want to get them. They can't get out. And the time is dark and the time is late. And it's just around that kind of environment that God loves to come on the scene. And now Paul can't get glory. Silas can't get glory. Only God can get the glory and rescue them out of their mess. I got news for you, honey. Get your head up. Stick your chest out and know that if you're a child of God, we don't end in defeat, but we end in victory because in the midst of this thing, about the time the devil thinks he's won, surprise, 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 he's coming back and he's going to get us out of this mess. The time is right. The time is right for a move of God. I got to, you got to be honest. What else is going to fix the mess we're in? People say, well, I'm worried about what it's going to cost us to have revival. I'm way more concerned on what it's going to cost us if we don't have revival. And I'm not talking about what God did. I think if God did anything in Burlington, Brother Daniel, he showed us that he still can. A foretaste. God showed us he's not dead, but he can. He say, well, didn't you see what they said about all that? Yeah, I heard about most all of it. I heard... They said, well, CT just manifested all that up. And they drummed all that. And old CT just made it happen. <laughs> Let me tell you all this. If I could do that, I'd still be there. <laughs> if I could do that, that tent would be up right now. And we'd do it here. But we can't do it. We don't have the power to do that. There's a lot of things that are in our hand, but the time's not in our hand, and the power is not in our hand. As a daddy, now as a pastor, I think, my God, what are we going to do if all we can do is just look back and remember what God did? I don't want to live my life and just keep telling stories and reading old books about what God used to do. Oh, child of God, listen. Our God is not the God that was. He's the great I am. And he's not limited in his power. He's not limited in his ability. He's still, I know we Baptist, but he's still a healer. And he's still a deliverer. And he's still a conqueror. And he's still a God that has all power in his hands. 
I know the devil may have some power, but God has all power. And we as the people of God know that the time was right. And in this day and hour, when that which is right is wrong, and that which is wrong is right, and society has flipped upside down, and it's wrong for me to preach a Bible, and it's wrong for us to stand for God, but it's right for a boy to go into a girl's bathroom or a girl to go into a boy's bathroom and just pick out your own truth and live however you want to live. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't hate nobody. I ain't even mad at nobody, but we've got to land on ground zero, and that is the truth of the Word of God, and if God says it's right, it's right, and if God says it's wrong, it's wrong. All hell has pointed their guns at the people of God and the church house, and everything's coming against what you and I are trying to do. You don't see the world getting censored on the internet and on social media. They can say whatever they want to say. They can think whatever they want to think, but you let a preacher with the truth of the word of God rise up and say God's right and every man's a lie and they'll censor it and knock it down and take down your sermon or my sermon. I'm telling you, whether you want to believe it or not, this thing is a battle. This thing is a fight for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers. Why do we need to be a praying church? Because the devil is an active church and he's got his uh, demons and his cohorts that are coming after every preacher in this room. It's not a matter of if he's coming. It's a matter of when. He wants your pulpit. He wants your marriage. He wants your home. And we've got to unify together and say, I'm not strong enough by myself. I can't make it by myself. I got to have my brothers and my sisters. If we stand together and we pray together and we shout together, we're going to win together. I say cheer on each other. Encourage each other. Listen to me, preachers. You're not in competition with one another. It don't matter if his church is smaller or bigger. God loves you and me the same as each other and we ought to cheer each other on and thank God for each other and pray that revival will happen in all of our churches. The time is right. The time is right. And in this day and hour we're living in, we got to have a move of God where God moves in and takes over. I'm thankful for what God's doing here. Brother Vaughn, I thank God when I get to preach at your church. Thankful for what God's doing at your place. Thank God for what he's doing, Brother Sparks, up there in West Virginia. If God can use me and you, he can use anybody, can't he? Yeah. I can tell y'all enough stuff on him and he can tell you stuff on me that we, y'all wouldn't hear neither one of him, me and him ever again. But in this day and hour, we need each other. We must encourage each other. That's why I thank God for meetings like this. We're not here to beat each other up. Or stick our chest out and try to see who the biggest dog in the room is. We have people actively selling their homes in Oklahoma and in New England and in other parts of the country that are moving to North Augusta for one reason. They're tired of dead church. They're tired of dead dry church. And they just want to be around something with some life that's real. The time's right. And real born again Christians want a place where God's moving. The time was right. I got to go. I want, to, I want you to look second of all at the trigger. The trigger. I think there's 17 words in this verse. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises. Now, I remember after Burlington, uh, which is just a foreshadow, just, a, just a, a, in the eyes of God's a small thing, what God did. God can do so much more than that. Um, 
me and Heath and others had, I had a big committee from a big denomination that called and said, we would love to interview you. And we want to sit down and we want to find the recipe. We want to find out the details of what you all did to experience. And I sat there and scratched my head. And I really didn't know. I said, let me save you a trip. I said, all I know to tell you is for over 15 years, Brother Randy and his people have been meeting on Monday nights praying for revival in their town. And they've been believing God for a move of God in this town. And I preached several years for Brother Randy in the past, and that didn't come close to happening. And I have preached for him after that, and it didn't come close to happening. But in that moment, the time was right. And God's people were prayed up. And it was a trigger that did something in that town. God did things in my heart and revealed things to me in those days that I'll never get over. There are many people in this room I would have never met you or even known you had it not been for what God did. I still believe that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I still believe that this kind cometh forth but by prayer and fasting. I still believe that we as the people of God can bring our issues to God and put them at the feet of God and God is a prayer answering God. I still believe that we can take our petitions to the Lord and no matter how big they are or how small they are, God's able. And I know in this room there's some people that have big faith that believe God to do the impossible. I rejoiced over the reports of Brother Heath and up at Brother Ethan's and preaching under that tent and what God did there. Just even more of a truth that God is able to send a move of God to a city or to a community or to a group of people. No, I, th I thought about this. I thought about this. You know, we think, well, if we're going to have a move of God, then all these churches got to get together and work together and agree together. That ain't what Paul and Silas did. They was two. I don't know what two means in Lenore, but where I live, it's me and one other person. That don't mean there's a multitude. That ain't a thousand people. That ain't 500 people. That was two people that agreed together saying, we got to have a move of God or we're going to die where we're at. And they agreed together and they began to pray and sing praises to God and hear me, the deal got done and God began to move. We're going to get to that in just a second, but God rescued them out of what they're in by a supernatural and a sovereign move of God. And it was the trigger. The trigger was their prayer and the trigger was their praise. I know that sounds simplistic. I know when I talk to them guys on the phone. They expected me to give a 10-step plan on how to see her. But hear me, it's not that way. The time's got to be right. The time's in the hands of God. It's a sovereign, supernatural move of God. But there is something to the people of God that get desperate and they get hungry and they say, I'd rather die than to live my life without the power of God. Oh, that God would fill every man of God, every pastor and every preacher, that rather than having a new degree on the wall and rather than having more friends, in the brotherhood would say I'd rather die than preach without the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Oh, that God would give us some women that would say I'd rather die than my kids be raised in my home without knowing what a praying mama or a praying grandma's like. I gotta live right. I gotta be right. I gotta please God because when I go to my prayer closet, I want the anointing that's on that preacher to be on me in that prayer closet so that God will hear my prayer and God will do something in my life. God give us an anointing of the praise and the prayer that we need in our lives. Amen. Psalm 22 and 3, but thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praise of Israel. I believe when we as the people of God go to praise in God, something starts happening. I do. I've seen it happen too many times. Been in a dead, dry service somewhere. 
and somebody with an honest heart just go to bragging on Jesus and thanking Jesus and God goes to moving through that room and does something that you couldn't conjure up, manufacture, or ever do. And God go to moving in that little old place. A church I was raised in up in the mountains. There's an old lady named Miss Alma. I don't know if you remember her. She, she sat on the second row behind. I, 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 I was sitting on the back row with the other teenagers. But my daddy had this thing that if we was acting up in church, he'd hold, he had one of them pins, had the, the red, the blue, the yellow. Y'all you know, remember all them different colors on top of them pins? And, and it was dad's signal that if he took that, if he, if he caught me acting up in the back, he'd take that pin. And while he's preaching, he'd just hold it up. And I knew that that meant... I was going to get my hind end woe out when we got home. You say, well, we don't spank our kids. And trust me, we know. We know. We know. It's very evident. Yeah. Uh, but but, but, but we, we'd be in church. And the church I was raised in, it wasn't a camp meeting church. It, it, it wouldn't always be lively, but there was times that, that we'd be in church and not a whole lot be going on. And Miss Alma, she didn't come to church to find Jesus. She came to church with Jesus. I don't know how old she was, but she was up there in years. I've learned not to name numbers. I'm a pastor now. Yeah, I know she had glasses that was about that thick. They finally took her keys to her car away because she'd come to church and she'd just pull in the parking lot and she didn't even know how to get her brakes and she'd slow down just enough and she'd find the car and she'd bump into the car in front of her, put it in park, and she'd come to church. My dad, after I got in trouble in the back row, he made me sit up on the front row. And I can't tell you how many times I'd be sitting there, nothing going on, nothing moving. And I'd hear Miss Alma go to rocking back and forth in that little seat of hers. And I'd hear her say, woo, woo. I mean, she'd just go down. I knew, honey, when them little woos started coming out, you better watch out because it don't do nothing but going uphill from here. And them little arthritic, she had that hunchback, and she had that little old arthritic hands go up. And, boy, she'd stand up, and I'd feel them little arthritic hands grab that little pew beside of me, and she'd pull herself up. And she had shouted for so many years, her voice box was all but gone, and she didn't have no loud scream or no pretty voice, but she'd give God everything she had and she'd go to praising God. I'm talking about a woman never, she didn't have no husband, she didn't have no kids, didn't have nothing this world would claim as being wealthy or having accolades in this world, but Miss Alma would raise up with every fiber she had, probably hurting worse than anybody in the building, but that little old saint of God would pull herself up in that little church. She wasn't doing it to show off to nobody. She wasn't doing it to be a show, but she just raised up and with that little feeble voice, she She'd go to thanking God for saving her. She'd go to thanking God for putting food on her table and for putting shoes on her feet. And the bad thing about Miss Alma praising God is the more she went, the looser she got. And she'd get up and that back would straighten up a little bit and she'd go to walking around on that cane and she'd go to praising God and thanking God. It wasn't a normal cane. It was what I call a treble hook cane. It had all them prongs on the bottom and multiple times I can remember Miss Alma going to praising God and after she got real good and loose she, that, that cane went from being a support system to a weapon to the devil I mean she'd go to swinging that thing around the room giving God glory and there was people in that church that looked down on it there was people there that frowned on it there was people that why in the world does she got to do anything like that don't she know the sophisticated people ain't going to want to come to church here if she acts like that every week you know what I say y'all go find you a dead church but you leave Miss Alma alone. She ain't got nothing that claims to be wealthy. She ain't got nothing this world deems as being successful. But she come up in there and said, bless the name of Jesus. You've been good to me. Oh, that God would give us a church again that ain't worried about what people's going to say about you or think about you. I dare you, honey. Go back and remember where you were when God found you. Go back and remember how lost you were when Jesus came after you. 
you and reach further down than you can reach up and wrote your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. I dare you say that you're just going to stay quiet. I dare you think about the fact that you won't spend one second in a place called hell. And it's all because of the goodness of God. There ought to be something in you that says hallelujah. There ought to be something in you that says praise God. There ought to be something in you that says bless Jesus. I'm glad I'm saved. I'm glad this is my last night. I don't think I could do this again. <laughs> I'm glad this business of church and praising God's not just an old person thing. This past May, we had that tent up in Kernersville. And one of those last nights, choir was up singing. My little Tucker... 11 years old. I was over on that front pew sitting by the pastor's kids. And that choir got up and they singing that chorus, All my life you've been faithful. And all my life you've been so, so good. So with every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. I don't know what lap they was on on that song, but I looked over, and my little boy Tucker, 11 years old, sitting on that pew, and I'm up there, and I look down at my little old 11-year-old boy. <laughs> Cheeks are all flush red, got big old tears running down his eyes. I ain't down there. Ain't nobody. He, he's just down there. The Holy Spirit works on him. I remember when he worked on me when I was a kid. And the Holy Spirit just working on my little boy's heart. And when I looked down and when Tucker and my eyes connected, little Tucker, move over, boy. I'm trying to do something. <laughs> you sitting too close to her anyhow. You ain't married yet. <laughs> little Tucker, when we caught eyes, He's always been tender. I still remember the night he got saved at your church. <laughs> I prayed for that since he's just a baby in his mama's belly. And they singing that song, little Tucker, big old tears run down his cheeks. And when he saw my eyes connect with his, Tucker, for the first time I'd ever seen, he jumped up and went, Woo! And when he did, it scared him to death. And he went, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I teleported from that pulpit over there to where he was and I grabbed him and Tucker's just a, he, heaving and crying. He said, Daddy, God sure has been good to us, ain't he? He said, Daddy, God sure has been good. I can't even talk about them out loud, but there's some secret private prayers that me and Tucker have been praying for. Amen. There was some things me and that boy been asking God to do. And God had just done one of the biggest things me and that boy had ever prayed for. And he said, Daddy, I didn't think God was ever going to do it, but God did it. And God's been good to us. And I listen to me, I could go to heaven from that moment. But to see it get real to my kids and seeing it get real to my family, I want to see him score a touchdown. I want to see him hit a home run. But hear me, if he never hits a home run or scores a touchdown, but he knows what it's like for worship to break out of his chest. Honey, I'll go to heaven saying it is finished. I've done the work I came to do. God help us. We can't let this die with one generation. We've got to raise up a new generation that loves God, that loves to worship because it is in the praise of God's people that is a trigger for God to move. Bless him, Lord. You say, well, I'll wait till God answers my prayer and then I'll praise him. No. It don't say that they got out of prison and then they sang and praised God. No, it was while they's in it that they prayed. A lot of times there's this philosophy when it comes to the move of God. We think, well, we're just waiting on God. What if God's waiting on you? Amen. 
What if God's waiting on you to go ahead and pray some big prayers? <laughs> to go ahead and praise God like he's worthy of it. Some of y'all so scared to praise God, just go in the bathroom, flush the toilet, and as soon as you flush the toilet, say amen. <laughs> You'll find out going to church is a whole lot more fun if you, if you participate than spectate. What does it do to the heart of God when God's good to us? And ain't nobody making us do it. But we say, thank you, God, for being good to me. My little girl, Everly, my boys, I'll spank them. I don't know that I've ever needed to spank Everly. She's perfect. She'll crawl up on my lap. I got her them Christmas presents, and she crawled up my lap. She said, Daddy, you the best daddy in the whole wide world. I have told her to say stuff like that before, but I didn't on that day. <laughs> and out of her own free will, she's thanking me from her heart. <laughs> what does it do to God? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What's it do to God? Amen. What's it do to God, John? What's it do to God when you and your wife crawl up? And say, God, I remember days when we wept over tragedies and we begged you to fill my wife's belly with a baby. And I don't know about y'all. Y'all a little too calm for me. If I'm y'all right now, I'd probably done run five laps tonight. And I look at that little belly and I see the promise of God. I see the goodness of God. I still remember when we was in Oasis and Brother Daniel, all we got around and prayed and begged God for a miracle. I, ain't no doctor did that. Ain't no luck. That's the blessing of God. And hear me, what does it do to the ears of God when little Lindsay crawls up in the lap of God and says, God, thank you for answering my prayer. God, God, thank you for being good to me. I don't deserve it. I could, God Almighty, I couldn't pay for it. But God, thank you for being good. God, thank you for answering my prayer. I'm telling you, honey, every demon in hell will have to get out of your way as you give God glory and praise over the goodness of God. But at the same time, what happens in the mind of God when he does bless and he does bless and he does bless and you never say nothing? I tell you, in my house, we say this. If you quit being thankful for it, you don't get it no more. Right, amen. Right. When we quit being thankful for it, we don't get it no more. I tell our staff, I tell our people around, people does something good for the church or good for you. Somebody gives you a little money, somebody does something and tries to be a blessing. If you don't say thank you, it either says to me that you didn't need it or you don't care that you got it. Either one, you ain't never getting it from me again. Now, I am a man and God's not and God's more sovereign, a whole lot more sovereign than I'll ever be. But I am saying that God's people ought to be a happy people. And God's people ought to be a thankful people. And we got more to be thankful for than we could ever imagine in our minds from the salvation that's living in our soul to the Holy Ghost that lives and dwells on the inside of us to the provisions. If God ever did, if all God ever did was save us and leave us alone, he'd still be worthy of the glory. But not only did he save us, but every single day of our life, he blesses us. We need to move. And it's got to be the time. It's got to be the right trigger. Right. But look what it produces. It produces the turnaround. Right. Every time. Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises. And the Bible said that the earth began to shake. And the walls began to fall down. And the shackles that were on their wrist and on their legs fell off. The Bible said everyone's bands were loosed. If that ain't a move of God, I don't know what is. <laughs> Listen, 
Whatever your turnaround is, whatever it is, the situation in your life that you can't do on your own, when the move of God comes, he still has the ability to turn things around. For some people, it's a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter. For some people, it's a lost mama or a lost daddy. I don't know what it is tonight, but I do know this, that there's enough people in this room, and if there's anything I know about people, is we may have put our church clothes on and we got a smile on our face, but it's disguising the pain that you got in your life at this very moment. All of us got something in our life we're struggling with. All of us got something in our life right now that if God came to right where you were and said, tell me what you need, tell me how I can help you, we'd have a list long of things that we want God to do for you and for me. But I'm here to tell you that no matter how big it is, we have a God in this room that for every single problem in this room, we've got one God that has the ability to turn every single one of those situations around because he is a God of the turnaround. He He's a God that if he just breathe on it, if he just move, he can do what we cannot do by ourselves, and he can turn things around. Absolutely. Thought about old Joseph. Joseph was the favored son, and he got put in that side that pit, and his brother slowed him off into slavery, and every time it looked like it was going to get better, it got worse, and it kept getting worse and worse and worse, and it looks in the text as you read it that God's forsaken him and that God's forgot him. Oh, but God never forgot Joseph where he was but the Bible said and the Lord remembered Joseph and the Lord remembered Joseph and before it's all over with Joseph is the second most powerful person in the whole wide world because God can turn things around. I thought about Job as the devil took everything that he had and at the end his wife said won't you curse God and die and he said won't you why do you speak like a foolish child. The Bible said that he rose up from the ashes and said the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away Blessed be the name of the Lord. You trace that story to the end. God gave Job double for his trouble. I thought about them three Hebrew boys that was in the midst of the fiery furnace. And they said, we will not bow the knee. They heated up the fire. King Nebuchadnezzar threw, had them in, throw them in the fire. And he looked down in there. He said, did not. We cast three into the fire. They said, yes, O king. He said, then why are there four in the fire? And the fourth appears to be like the son of God. I'll tell you why. Because he's a God of the turnaround. What the devil meant to kill you, God will use to restore you. And they come out the other side. Old Daniel was in the lion's den because he wouldn't quit praying. And everybody thought that he's going to be cat food by morning. But the next morning they opened up that lid and there Daniel was inside there with them kittens purring alongside of him. And he was whole and he was not harmed and he come out of there alive because he's a God that will bring us through what we're facing and child of God in 2022 no matter what you're facing and no matter what fire the devil sends your way aren't you glad that you've got a God that can turn it around and give the glory to God for what he's done in your life and God of the turnaround can I have Jimmy play on that piano is that alright Jimmy get on that piano and just I'm going to wind this up I'm done I got I to gotta go uh Last year, after one of our meetings, the Lord laid it on my heart to go home like some of the other ones have and and to have a Saturday night prayer meeting at our church. And uh, I I, I prayed about it and I thought, well, I'm going to be one of four or five people that show up at the prayer meeting. And to my astonishment, on the very first week, we had 40 or 50 people show up at the prayer meeting on Saturday night. And several, several weeks, uh, we just kept doing it. And I'll never forget, uh, in, in 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 those prayer meetings, one week we got horrible news that uh, a dear man in our church named Brother Keith, uh, they found a lump that was cancerous in his neck. And from the very beginning, the prognosis was bad. It didn't look good. I remember going to Keith's house uh, the, the the day that was before he was going to go in and have surgery. And it was a robotic thing, and they was going to be very evasive and go into his neck and try to get all that out. And I'll never forget when I went to his house, 
and was praying with Keith that uh, he, he said whether well, there's another man named Keith that's an older man named Keith that, that is a, a pastor at another church in California and wound up in our town and joined our church uh, last year as well and he said oh Mr. Keith has been keeping up with me and praying with me and I'm so thankful uh, for Keith Bartlett and they said they've been praying together and stuff like that I said well praise the Lord so uh, the, the first Keith uh, went into surgery and the very same week that this Keith went into surgery uh, the pastor Keith found out that in the same side the same place that he had nearly the same exact kind of cancer that this man did and the next Saturday in prayer meeting I've got both of those Keiths in that prayer meeting one was seated over there and one was seated over here and the Holy Ghost prompted me to get those two keys together to pray for each other because I'm going to be real honest I don't know how to pray for them but them two together know how to pray for each other and they got to praying and they got to praying and they got to praying and we got around them and prayed over them begged God for a miracle I'll tell you how I pray when I pray like that Lord if I was in their shoes I'd want somebody to pray for 100% pure healing so God I'm praying that for them they both went off their way they sent them to the cancer center I think near Atlanta Mr. Keith somehow got expedited and within a week or two he called me no he didn't call me I ran into him in town and he was just coming back from Atlanta and when I seen him he busted out crying in that public place he said preacher I just got back in town said the doctors can't explain it they don't know what to say but literally on this piece of my I made the doctor write it down they said they cannot ultrasound what is not there said they scanned it and they scanned it and they scanned it and that spot that they found they showed the x-ray where it was there here's the new one where it's not there he said preacher I want to thank the church for praying for me it's not God is touching and boy we got to shouting in that place so the next Sunday, we walk in there, and I'm thanking God for Pastor Keith, who's got a clean bill of health. But the other Keith is sitting in the pew, and he still has bad news. And I watched Keith when I made the announcement that he had a good report. Keith didn't sit there mad that he got a good report, and he didn't. Keith, with an honest heart, stood up and raised his hands and began to praise God that marked something in my heart. I, I thought, man. I preached a sermon that week about Moses lifting his hands up on top of the hill. And Aaron and her helped stay up his arms. And I I, I told him, I said, when you walk in there, keep your hands up. Keep your hands raised. God's able. No, Keith, that week went back to Cancer Center. He sent me, his wife sent me a picture of Keith walking through that hospital. Said he wouldn't put his hands down. Said he walked through that Cancer Center of America. Praising God by faith on credit. If I'm telling a, a, a fib, the next Sunday, Keith comes to church. Before church, he says, I need to talk to you. He said, they went in there, and they got digging around, and they put me back together and said there wasn't a single thing for them to fix. It was all gone. It was all gone. And said, they give me a cancer free. And so the very next week, I had both, both Keiths up on my stage that just weeks ago had a terrible prognosis about to die and somehow I can't explain it they can't explain it their doctor can't explain it 
God turned it around. And both them men are in my church still every Sunday. And both of them, when you look at them, they got tears running down their eyes. Because God is a God that still turns stuff around. I think it's a wonderful idea to have this meeting at the beginning of January. Because it's a new year. Some of y'all got some lingering problems that have followed you from 21 into 22. And you've been letting the devil defeat you over it and stop your praise over it. Some of you have got so cold on God because the devil has lied to you and let you believe that God's not going to help you. And if God hasn't answered your prayer, maybe you're here and you got a family member that still has cancer and you ain't got the victory yet. All I know to tell you, through it all don't let the devil rob you of your praise don't let the devil rob you of your faith it's all that's keeping us in this thing we need a move of God and that move of God can turn things around here's a question I'm done what is it in your life that you need God to turn around for you there's a young little family that they've been there. They've prayed for God to turn around. And boy, what a joy it is to my heart to see God bless It might be a lost daddy, a lost mama. Could 22 be the year that God saves them? It could be that 22 is the year we see the revival we've been praying for. It could be 22, Jason, that God gives that spark in that church you've been pastor that you've been praying for. Let's keep praying some big prayers. Let's find us a place around this altar. Let's pray. Sing praises to God. Thank Him. Let's let God do what only God can do.